Hey, y'all. This is Cole Taylor, and you're listening to Chase and Birdie. All right, y'all. We're back here for another episode of Chasing Birdies. Mr. Peppy, what's shaking, baby? What's shaking, baby? There's not much going on <laughs> this way, bud. Not much uh, shaking. I'll tell you this much. We got a lot to catch up on with you, though. Um, oh, bud. As always, today's episode is brought to you by Lynx Brewing. Uh, make sure you go check them out at lynxbrewing.com. Uh, they are the brewers of the Chasing Birdie Blondale, which, I mean, mm-hmm. I generally drink beers and then get sick of it and move on to something else. I've stuck with this pretty pretty long, bud. And you're uh, loyal. I'm loyal, You're loyal to the but brand. it's also very, very good. I can't tell you how many people I had over for uh, Halloween. We just gave them some Chasing Birdie Blondales mm-hmm. to drink while mm-hmm. they were walking their little rugrats around. So that's good. There you go, man. So yeah, what's up yeah. with you, bud? What I mean, good... you just came hot but, back from Cali. Uh, tell you what, dude. Yeah, I spent three days over there at Pebble Beach. Uh, played Pasa Tiempo out in Santa Cruz. And then went down to Pebble, played Pebble on Thursday, and played Spyglass on Friday. My three-round total, everybody, was plus nine. I shot two over, four over, three over. Played all the so way back. you shot four over at uh, Pebble. Shot 76 at Pebble from the backies. Um, made a hell of a bogey on six. I uh, had about 10 feet to save bogey, and I made it, but... Um, I was happy, dude. I didn't lose a ball either day. I played really good at Spyglass. And here's my thoughts, dude. I know some people say Spyglass, a little better course. I can see why they say that. The views on Pebble Beach are unparalleled. I mean, when you hit that stretch from 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, dude, but it is like... Not even that. You start The views start on uh, 4. 4, Short yeah. par 4 up the hill and then 5. Yep. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, yep. and then I told you that they lose me on uh, 11, 12, 13, 14. They lose me. Greatness. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, and I know you said that, bud, but I think, I think you know, you got to look at that architecture there on those holes, working with what they had. At part five, I think, I forget the hole, 14 maybe, 15. 14, 14. tough green. It's fuck, yeah, it's a great hole. Where but, was the pin? Back the left? It was, it was. Tough pin placement because sw- everything slopes off to the left, for those of you who haven't played there, but. Well, and then he switched over to the Spyglass, which was so good. in better so good. shape, I'd say. And it's just a different vibe, man. It almost has an Augusta feel. And I say that not because I've played Augusta, because I haven't. But the bunkering and the the undulations on the greens, it's it's a test, man. It is a test. Played it back. Uh, had a decent round going on the back nine. and Bogey two of my last three to shoot 75. But... Um, had a great caddy, Jake. Shout out, Jake, if you're listening. Probably not, but if you are, what's up? Send me those picks. Um, yeah, dude. So it was nice to play. I, I texted you, you and BK, and I'm like, "Hey, boys, I'm packing for a golf trip in November." Uh, I think it's something we we should probably implement and, and into that's the schedule. A, you know me. That's all you got to do, dude. Is tell me, and and I'll start planning for 2024. So 2024, yeah. Pebble Beach will be on the books. Um, and then, you know, it's not too far from, from my place that I've never been and, and I would love to go is Napa and um, and drink some red juice. I would mm. – actually, you could probably just take me there and, and leave me there. You guys go golfing. Um, I mean, but I definitely 
Uh, so obviously my parents and their friends are really big in the wine. So they brought some wines to dinner and I had a couple glasses and they were, I mean, I, I can honestly say the wine is better. Um, it was better. That's like but, Guinness um, in Ireland, bud. True. True, bud. Straight out of the spigot. But no, man, to be able to, to kind of see that course and what Tiger did back in the open, especially on six. I mean, dude, it's just like, you realize how bad you are as, of a golfer when you try to compare it. But uh, well, then again, who the hell would compare really themselves to Tiger Woods? I mean, come on, bud. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, today's but dude, guess, I, 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 well, real quick, I will say okay, uh, Spyglass is probably it. my favorite driving golf course that I've ever played. You play all the way back and coming out of the shoots. I mean, dude, but some I got to give a some little. Some of our friends might not get out of the shoots, eh? I, correct. Yeah, they'd be hitting high right into the trees, high left. No names, no names dropped, but. I got to give a shout out over to the Santa Cruz boys. I know a lot of those guys through Link Soul, uh, Casey Rambach, and got to see Hank Ashworth. He showed up at Pasa T. Empo Wednesday afternoon. He wanted to go have some tequilas, but I told him I, I still had five holes to go, bud, and I had to get to Pebble. But well, back nine at Pasa, yeah, Alistair McKenzie, um, what he did with that course, just the course architecture on the back nine of Pasa T. Empo. Mm-hmm. So good, and their logo, dude. It's it's so cool. It's like this little dude sitting there, this like Mexican Sleeping. guy just sitting there. Yeah, under a tree. I I grabbed some teas because they're on the teas. So it was great, man. So did you great hit the pro trip. shop at all, bud? You're not much of a swag guy like me. No, I didn't hit the pro shop any three days. Really, I don't need anything. Really, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Negative. you didn't even buy like a, a hat. I didn't buy a hat. I didn't buy anything. Nothing. I mean, that is a slap in the face. You go all the way out there. You don't even have anything. That's just stupid. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. our guest today, dude, is uh, mm-hmm. we've been, again, I feel like we say this about a lot of people. We've been chasing him, but we have been. And uh, he's a busy guy. And, uh, you know, with the, the CMAs that just happened uh, yesterday, um, yep. our boy Cole Taylor, singer, yep. more of a songwriter uh, mm-hmm. in Nashville, and uh, as we mentioned before, he he's had some bangers out. He just did one with Hardy, um, did one of our favorites, the Three Amigos favorites, "Sipping on Fire." <laughs> Sipping on fire. I'm still uh-huh. singing it, but I don't get it. But um, it's so cool to talk to these guys. I know we've had a couple of them on, but it's it's cool because they're all they're all you know very similar but very different too um personality wise and all that and to hear his augusta stories with kevin kisner i just talked to him the other day he played troubadour friday with kiz and some other uh, in his words some bitches uh which i'm assuming are some country singers uh justin thomas was getting married at troubadour uh last friday so um you got all the gossip i got all the gossip dude i mean bud What's but, your hat say right now? Stick? Stick. Oh. Crooked stick. You ever been there, bud? No, you haven't. Never. Um, speaking of hats, and, and thanks to Cool Taylor for sending the boys some of the hats from playing through. Great logo. Guy playing golf, uh, swinging a guitar. So you'll be seeing the boys rolling rolling with those. And uh, let's roll it on over to Cool Taylor. Let's do it. As you all know by now, Chasing Birdies is proud to be partners with Holderness and Bourne. Check them out online at hbgolf.com. Holderness and Bourne makes fabulous pieces that help you look good on the course, even if your game is not up to par. 
Check out their new arrivals now for this golf season. Also, head on over to ChasingBirdies.com to get some custom Chasing Birdie gear from Holderness and Born. We'll continue to drop these pieces through every season. That's ChasingBirdies.com and Holderness and Born at HBGolf.com. All right, guys, thanks for joining us here on another episode of Chasing Birdies. And today's guest knows a thing or two about writing some hits. We always have some good songwriters here on Chasing Birdies, and today's guest is no different than that. My man, Cole Taylor from Nashville, Tennessee. What's up, Cole? What's up, boys? I'm glad we finally made this happen. I, I almost just ran out of air introducing you, by the way. I was just like <laughs> gasping at the end there, so I apologize. <laughs> All good. Yeah, we've been chasing you around, man. It's been a couple months, but we're finally here, and it's exciting. Um, I know, man. We're we're all so busy on each end, so I'm glad that uh, today would work. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. All right, man, so it's, it feels like you're down in the south. You're in Nashville. you got a lot of shit happening right now with, with music. I feel like the whole country music scene right now is just on fire. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just people looking for something real. Um, and something to attach to after COVID, especially. So, And I feel like country music has kind of shifted to that. Not that it hasn't always been real-life stories, but I feel like we've gotten into a more organic space, more about just real-life things than just singing about drinking in a bar. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I just – I just played golf with uh, Devin Dawson. I told the cat, and, I mean, there's probably going to be a big hit coming out after my conversation with him, but – there's no cigar smoking songs. That's true. Right, that's true. And it's funny because I always try to put cigar, you know, like Luke Bryan, he has a cigar shop down in 30A. And every time I think I'm on a Luke Bryan song, I try to put a cigar in it just to be something different that he hadn't heard. It never it never passes the test, and I don't know why that is. That's like kind of like golf. You put golf in a country song, and everybody in country music golfs, but the second you put golf in the song it just doesn't work for some reason like i yeah. i would start the, my song out you know long ashes and long memories with my boys yeah something like that but yeah love it. if you need anything else you just let me know i so, love it uh, so you you come from originally you're from georgia correct correct so you're a big bulldogs fan i always see you on instagram with the the georgia uh gear on what part of georgia yeah, did you come from I, uh, I I grew up in southwest Georgia, a little town called Cuthbert, which is about as big as a, the golf course. Mm-hmm. I graduated with 18 people. Jeez. Wow. Um, yeah, just small town in Georgia, just south of Columbus, um, kind of around Fort Benning. I don't know if you guys know where any of that is. Is that near Georgia Southern? No, so I'm southwest Georgia, Georgia mm-hmm. Southern Southeast. Okay. Um, so I'm right on the Alabama line. I always tell people we're closer to Panama City, Florida than we are Atlanta. Oh, so yeah, we, you know, growing up, especially when we were able to drive Fridays would be either going to the football game or going to Panama city and sleeping in the Walmart parking lot. Mm -hmm. So all the, all the, uh, country music cliches, we were just living them all out. Right. Yeah. So then that's, that's my next question is, you know, coming out of high school, is that, was music your thing or was it kind of like, you know, like everybody else, it kind of just happened, right? You fell into it a little bit or, or you had a passion for it and you wanted to chase those dreams. We're birdies. Yeah, I sang in church, you know, growing up. I started when I was 14 singing in church. And then, uh, you know, I'd play the little festivals. I'd have a karaoke track that I because I didn't know how to play guitar. Mm-hmm. And I went to college um, in Valdosta State, which is 
right on the um, Georgia Florida line. That's what you call it when you're from Georgia, not Florida Georgia line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I went to school there, studied accounting, and in the meantime, I found out that you could make money playing in the bars. So I started learning guitar, kind of teaching myself. Mm. Um, and but yeah, I was always an athlete in high school. I played all the sports. So music wasn't a thing until like senior year, you know, and then go to college and make money playing in the bars. Well, it sounds like, I mean, that was the thing to do. I mean, you got 18 people in your class, and next thing you know, you're out of school, and it's like, well, here we go. You kind of had that innate ability to, to jump on that. Um, yeah, and we, I mean, I had a group of buddies that, I mean, we're still really good friends. We've been friends since third grade, and we, we were all like, okay, wherever one person goes, we're all going to go to college. So we all chose about also state, and we, you know, I could bring people to the bars, and so the bars knew I had friends that would come pay money that see a show so it was a uh it was a fun part of life so let me ask you this switching over to your professional life how'd the move to nashville happen and how did that break occur for you because i mean you've written songs for jason aldean cole swindell hardy most recently on hardy's new album um yeah i mean these aren't artists that people are unfamiliar with i mean these are some pretty top-notch artists so yeah you know, I, I know you, you signed a publishing deal with Universal, was it? Um, yes. So what, what what led up to that? So moving to town, it was February of 2013. And um, Cole was still selling T-shirts for Luke Bryan. And then Brent Cobb was, he was best friends with my cousins growing up. So I knew two people when I moved to town. Cole Swindell, because we were from 15 minutes down the road from each other. He played baseball against my brother. And my wife knew him as well. And then I knew Brent Cobb just from being friends with my cousin. Can I can I bookmark so, you real quick? Bookmark that. Yeah. Brent yep. Cobb, an old foe of ours, Adam Schwind, great buddy of mine, and Peppy's. Yeah. He played drums feeling for Brent Cobb for like a couple of years. I don't know if you oh, know. Oh wow, man. Yeah, small world. Yeah, but, Brent and I Brent and I played with wrestlers together when I was like eleven. I was we were playing with Hulk Hogan and yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so Brent Brent Cobb, Colts from Dale, go ahead. Yeah, and then, I mean, while I was still in Georgia, I was opening up for people like Chase Rice and Tyler Farr, and I was kind of just staying in touch with them while I was still in Georgia, and I got 13 hours short of my degree at Valdosta. Sorry, I'm backtracking a little bit. 13 hours short of my degree, and Swindell was like, man, I was asking him about the whole music business thing, and he said, dude, if you – if you want to be in the game, you gotta, you gotta be in Nashville. And I just remember one day thinking, God, this accounting thing is not for me. And I told my dad and my dad started his own business when he was 17 and still has it. He's deer processor and tax thermos. So I think that's where I get my entrepreneur kind of mindset from Mm -hmm. of just kind of wanting to do it on my own. So yeah, he was my dad. I was lucky enough to have a supportive mom and dad. My dad was like, hey, you save up however much money, I'll match it, and we'll move you up there. So I think I saved up $4,000, and he matched it, and I, so I moved to town with two connections and $8,000. Here we are, boys. There you go. And uh, so then I connected with Chase Rice when I finally moved to town. It was that May. So I moved in February, and that May, Chase Rice and I wrote a song called Look at My Truck that he put on his – EP, this is when he was still unsigned. 
but about to get signed. So then when he put that song out, I hadn't even been here like a year. And I was already taking publishing meetings just because he was already putting that song out. And yeah, I signed with Universal November 11th of that same year I moved here. So everything kind of, I don't know, God made everything fall in the right place. I just think the whole country scene is so wild. I mean, it's just, you know, everybody has a story how they got to Nashville, because everyone's in Nashville. Everyone got to Nashville somehow, some way, right? And then it's not a guarantee that you're going to make it right. It's a, it's a, it is a pipe dream in reality. And you go to Nashville, you know, I go with my wife and we go to Broadway and you sit there in the bars and you think, wow, these guys are so good in reality. You know what I mean? In reality, you're drunk. I'm drunk. And, (laughs) but like, it's the right breaks too for you. Sure. Yeah. And it is. And it's also a focus thing. It's a discipline thing. Um, so when I moved here, I wasn't out at the bar till 2 a.m. just partying. I was focused on one goal, and that was to get a publishing deal. Because, you know, you all you see the paths of, like, Luke Bryan. You'd be from Georgia. Mm-hmm. You see the path of Luke Bryan. He wrote Good Directions, and then he got a record deal. And then you see Cole Swindell. He wrote Hits, and then he got a record deal. Mm-hmm. Thomas Rhett wrote Hits, record deal. So. In my mind, I was always focused on writing hits for other people, and then I wanted a record deal. You know, that's that was my mindset when I moved here. Right. I wasn't really concerned about being the dude on the microphone first. That was mm. a second thought for me, because I'd seen that I'd seen that um, process work a few more times. Cole, what's a more gratifying feeling for you at this stage in life? Would it be having a number one hit on a radio and watching that song start from a seed and blow up? Or is there still a part of you that wishes you were walking out to a sold-out stadium performing? Man, I uh, so people always ask me what, what happened with the artist stuff. And, um, you know, I was praying really hard about it. And it's, I think it was 2017 that I was kind of just torn 50-50 between being the artist and being the songwriter and finally just praying hard, praying hard. And one day, Cole Swindell called me and he's like, hey, man, just going to let you know the song you wrote is going to be my next single. And I was like, okay, I'd be dumb to not think that's my sign to just kind of stick to this writing thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, anytime a song of mine comes out that somebody else sings is obviously really gratifying because there's so many there's so many songs that get pitched to these guys every day. So, but, and that's the thing. Probably, yeah, that's the thing. Real quick, I mean, like Hardy just came out with that song. What yep. this week or two weeks ago? And and that was on Monday. Yeah, your name's on it, and he's as hot. It's him, Wallen, and Ernest. They're the hottest guys in country music right now, and you're you're a writer on that. Yeah, man, that's the coolest thing. I mean, obviously, you try to as a songwriter, you try to expand your brand. Especially being from Georgia, you get you get caught in this whole. Oh, here's a Georgia boy; he's going to sing about trucks and dirt roads. You get caught in that little group, which is not a bad group to be in. But anytime a song like and an artist like Hardy or Morgan or just somebody, I had a Justin Morris song come out on Friday as well. But anytime some of that comes out, you know, it kind of diversifies your writing mm-hmm. and people the town starts thinking of you a little bit different than just the dude that can sing about beer and trucks and girls, which is, that's the cool part to me. Yeah. And soon to be cigars. Um, yeah. 
cigars. I think, too, again, the other interesting thing about country music, and we've had some other uh, country artists and songwriters on our podcast, is that how close everyone is and everyone wants everyone to succeed. And that's that's kind of cool because it's like, you know, you're, you're friends with Thomas Archer and Devin Dawson and Ray Fulcher and the, all these guys. And in reality, yeah, you are kind of competing against each other, but at the same time you're supporting one another and you're friends and you go golf and you go out to dinner with each other and you travel together. I just think that dynamic of, of the country music doesn't get talked about enough either because yeah, it is competitive, but at the same time, everyone's pulling for one another. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's it's one big family. Yeah, it's competitive, but there's always an. I mean, there's a lot of people recording a lot of songs, so there's always room for everybody. You know what I mean? Obviously, you want you want to get yours, but you don't want to bring somebody else down on the way to get yours. You don't want to step on anybody's toes or push yeah. somebody down because after we're all chasing the same thing. So to to kind of put somebody else down is just not it's not in the country music blood. Absolutely. No, and I and, and honestly, I mean, I've seen people try to do it, and then they get kicked out just as fast as they got wealthy. Yep, in. that was what I was going to say, man. You do something to cross someone, your your name is guard a little bit. Um, yeah, we just we just have some kind of understood rules that yep. I mean, it's just life. It's just being respectful and mm-hmm. sure. um, just being a good person. That's all. That's all the music business is. What is your most ideal setting for writing a song? Are are you better off alone starting to conceptualize an idea? Is it in a group setting that you really excel? What's for um, you? What's man, the I best? Have, so every day I try to write at least one song. Usually right now I'm writing with two other people. It usually starts at 11 my time. Sometimes I'll do 9 to 11 and then 11 to 2 or 3. I heard Red Aiken say right when I moved here, he said, man, I don't write by inspiration. I write by perspiration. So the more songs you write, the more chances you have that you're going to find a great one. And I always tell people you have to get through the bad songs to find the great one. one. So just yeah. write something, write something. And I've, I've had songs get recorded that I didn't think were any good. And then I've had songs that I thought were really good not get recorded. So you just never know. It's all up to somebody else's opinion, right? Sure. So yeah. it's like, it's not up to me if, if the listener likes it, it's up to the listener. So it's up to me to just make up something that maybe the listener would like. Now, do you start with framing out chords, the music first, or do you start sketching lyrically first? You know, you really start with an idea, ideally, because if the idea is good, it's just going to write itself. Yeah. But if you're just writing another song about a girl in a bar, then you have to find a creative way to do that. You got to dig deep. But if I... Yeah, if the idea is right, the creativity just kind of falls out of the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but interesting. If the idea just sounds like something you've heard. You have to figure out a way to make it sound like something you haven't heard. That's like the, uh, I had a Justin Moore song just come out. It's called You, Me, and Whiskey. It's him and Priscilla Block. And you look at the title. It was, it was my title. And Jesse Alexander was like, okay, I, I get the title. We could easily make this a bar song, but how do we make it something cooler? And it's literally about a couple that works nine to five and they just need to kind of turn everything else off and just stay at the house and drink whiskey all night. Yeah. And kind of like- get back to, get back to their basics where, when it was just that, you know what I mean? Sounds like a good relationship though. Yeah, exactly. Just stay home. 
Mm-hmm. With me and my wife, the realistic one is you, me, and red wine. That's I am a red wine guy too, so that's nice. Um, now you don't get as many headaches, right? Is it a, basically a three-year cycle though? You write a song, and then basically three years later, that's about the ballpark that it comes out. Somebody gets a hold of it, um, and it comes uh, to fruition. It's all different. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about the Hardy song. We were in Texas in February when we wrote that song, and it just came out on Monday. So that's yeah, that's not a three-year cycle, but for for me, I mean, a few months. Yeah, yeah, that's quick turnover. Um, but then I've had songs that are six years old that just just got recorded. That's you know, that's crazy. So th- they're all different. It's all timing. It's all who's recording what, when, what songs you have to send to them, and if they like them. I mean, I would say on average, a fair cycle thing would be two years, maybe a year and a half. This is a give me a ballpark on this because I know you're not going to know the exact number. How many songs do you have that you have written just sitting there? Uh, oh, just sitting there? Yeah, I mean, probably probably six hundred. Jesus, what? Maybe even more than that. I, I usually round. I'm usually end up at like two twenty to two thirty a year, and I've my tenth year. Yeah, so it's way more than that. I'll be starting my 10th year. To so you're like in like 2,500 songs are just sitting there. Yeah, probably. Wait, do you keep those in a safe or what? I don't know. They're all on a, they're all in a computer based uh, okay. program. Like cloud or something. Yeah. So I have eight years worth of songs Holy that shit. are in the universal catalog is what they're called. And then I just started my new deal with uh, Red Creative and Sony. I started that back in November. So I'm almost still in my first year there. And I know we're 230 songs into that one already. Your typical day is 9 to 11 and then 11 to 1. And then the rest of the day, what do we, I mean, are you pegging it up most of the time? Sounds like your schedule, bud. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's 9 to 11 and then 11 to whenever we finish that song. I try to be done at 3. And then, you know, the kids get home around 4.30. So I'm, I might hit the range a little bit from 3 to 4. 3 to 4.30 is like, daddy time that's so, your sweet spot right i might go somewhere catch a ball game have a beer i might just go hit the range or just kind of come home and work on something outside but, where did the yeah, the lot because you love golf man like you were all about golf so where did the yeah. love of the game of golf come from did you grow up playing it i mean you're in georgia I, I did. yeah i where i grew up in cuthbert um we were so we had about 120 acres so we were a big deer hunting family, but then during the summers, we were we had a golf cart and we were one mile from the golf course. So our parents would just drop us off at the golf course, and I mean, I say golf course, that's a loose term. It's like a goat track with some holes in it. Yeah. But our parents would just drop us off at the golf course, and we would play from eight o'clock in the morning until the sun went down, just out there, just hitting balls, me and the same group of buddies I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, but where I, I was probably, I was always like the number three player in our little group. And then obviously I've kind of gotten the bug a little bit more as I've gotten older. And I think that's more of a time thing too. I've kind of gotten myself to a point where I have a little bit more time to be able to focus in on it. And then we started to play in three brand. And I'm like, okay, I can't suck at golf. So I've gotten myself down to about a six. Nice. Well, I tell you, man, you know, we, we've 
created some great relationships in that Nashville vicinity with, with some of the, probably your buddies too. I mean, you know, I know, I know you're close with Tyler Reeve. We had him in a podcast, obviously Josh and, and George and Colt. And, but the point is everybody that I've met in that regard, dude, they are just absolutely golf addicts, period. Um, yeah, George Birch can hit the ball really good. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen him hit it. I've seen him drive it on at number number one on Oakmont. I mean, the cat can play some golf. But um, down in Nashville, though, I I know you mentioned recently you were uh, near or on Old Hick, and is that primarily where you play golf in Nashville, Cole? Yeah, I. Uh, you know, there's some tournaments that like. Tomorrow, there's a national publishers tournament, the Hermitage, so I'll play on that. I live in Old Hickory now, so it's just – and I've been a member there for five years, so I love playing out here. I love the course, the people around it. I'm not sure. I don't really like the, the high-end, snooty mm-hmm. country clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to go somewhere you can have your hat backwards and a shirt untucked. Well, just even – I want to wear my hat in the clubhouse. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Unless I'm at Augusta, I'm going to wear my hat in the clubhouse. So, yeah, I mean, you brought it up right now. Augusta, you've played it. Yes, twice. What? Yes, he's played Augusta National, bud. So you're on the outside looking in, uh, my man Ryan and I. Um, But tell us a little about it. Who'd you play with? I mean, again, it's one of those things that unless you're a golf nut, that's like, that's heaven, right? Yeah, it was was pretty amazing. so the first time Kevin Kisner invited us to uh, play his charity tournament for the Kevin Kisner Foundation, and it was me, uh, Dallas Davidson, Tyler, and Cole, and Kiss texted us like, hey, boys, we'd love for y'all to play my event. Obviously, it's a charity, so I can't pay you, but I can get you on at ANGC. And Tyler texted me on the side. He said, you know that's Augusta National, right? And I was like, oh, I'm in. And, um, so yeah, we went down and played and then, you know, woke up the next day, hung over cause we stayed up all night in a putting contest with Gary Woodland and Max Homa and HC3. Oh my God. Till like two thirty in the morning. So we wake up, heads are hurting a little bit, but, uh, we show up and I mean, it's everything you want it to be. Yeah. It, it just looks like. I mean, I mean, every. It, I just it, wanted to have a nice little chicken salad sandwich at a 19th hole, go out, play a little bit, and then hit the pro shop up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pro shop. I did some damage in there, but it's funny. They uh, they come up and they're like, "Sir, what would y'all? What do you want to eat? We're like, what do you have?" And they're just like, "No, what do you want to eat? Done. So anything you want. They got it. That's awesome, man. That's like Butler National up up in Chicago. I don't know if you've played there. Uh, no, I, I haven't played a lot of golf in Chicago. Great, great city for golf, but mm-hmm. Butler National, uh, same thing. What would you like for dinner? Yeah. I said, I don't know. I need a menu. Well, what do you want? Well, what's, yeah. good? what's good? Swordfish is really good here. I'll take the swordfish. All right, well, what side do <laughs> you want? Here we go again. Like, like, yeah, can you just bring me some food on a plate? So <laughs> you're playing through a group, and, and you know, I know that um, Tyler had been in touch with me earlier this year when you guys were down – Oh, that course, the Valley course, whatever it is. Sage Valley. Sage, Sage Valley. Valley. Yeah, and yep. I couldn't swing it to try to make it down there, but I wanted to wanted to show up and see you boys. So 
playing through group is basically collaboration with you, a couple other artists, and you take it to private clubs. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because I think it's a genius idea. Yeah, so Tyler, me, Tyler, and Cole Swindell started the company together. And it, it all started kind of during COVID when we were thinking, okay, we can't tour, so how? where can we go? Mm-hmm. And we were doing Jim Furyk's event, which uh, they always do at Sage Valley, and we just kind of go down, play for the sponsors, and then everybody loved it. So we're like, okay, maybe, maybe this is our thing. We just do like a riders round type thing, but always just like have Cole Swindell with us. And always do it on a Sunday night where it doesn't get in the way of his tours and all that. So, yeah, we started coming up with it. And we're like, what should it be called? And I think Swindell was like, what if we call it playing through? It was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was almost, it was one of those things. Like the first thing anybody said, I was like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So then we started talking about the logo. And we're like, what if it's a guy swinging a guitar? I love like, that yep, logo. Sounds good. good. So now, you know, obviously I've seen the hats. We're kind of shifting into that world a little bit. But yeah, the show we did um we did Yellowstone Club. Oh damn. It was it was me, Tyler, uh Old Dominion and Cole. That was one of my favorite shows we've done. We did Sage Valley in June. We were supposed to do Dismal River um in Nebraska, but the crazy it sounds crazy me saying this, but the hurricane hit Florida and a lot of their members are there yeah. there in Florida. So we had to cancel that one. That was supposed to be in October. But we tried to do one kind of a season mm-hmm. where it's not so much on the artists and right. not so much on our planning. But we do a charity. We have a charity aspect of it kind of in the middle of the concert where we auction off guitars, VIP passes to any show, sometimes custom golf carts. Wow. Uh, damn. But every time we've raised at least $100,000 for charity. That's awesome. It's fantastic that you tie the, the charity aspect in, into that, um, your concert. Because you're giving people an experience that otherwise they they would not get that close to people, the stories of the songs, et cetera. Right. And we try to keep it to like three to 500 people. You know, the, the less people, the better the experience. But 500 people, you can still get that so close you could feel all the songs. and Right. You know, you, you can't get that anywhere else really and that's what we're we're working on right now uh playing through coming to nemecolon um in june of next year so yeah. i know that that tom has been in touch with you and 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 that's gonna be dynamite i, I think it's june 4th yeah um we can't, can't wait for that yeah you nemecolons oh. it's incredible man we're here right now uh, actually we're here right now they're great nice. sponsors show phenomenal people um so you guys love it but um no, I think that's a really cool way to kind of blend both realms together. You got the the country music scene right now kind of doing its thing, really, really taking off. I mean, at least from my perspective. But then golf, obviously, with COVID happening, golf has really shot upwards a little bit. Um, so you found a way to marry the two together. And I think it's a great business idea. What, what what's are, are you involved at all with, with Barstool, with any of their, any of their events? Um, not, we haven't been yet. Um, you know, we've been kind of just slow playing it because we want to just do it right and find the yeah true partnerships in every aspect of the word where we can help other people just as much as they can help us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we've just kind of, everything so far has just happened naturally. Yellowstone happened natural. The Sage Valley show happened natural. So it's just, 
but we're not out like trying to whore it out everywhere. It's just right. people come to us just like, Hey, we love the idea of what you're doing. Right. And that's what we want. We want people that actually want to do it. We don't want to force it on people because it is a, it's a super high end kind of show. Absolutely. Um, but when you find the right club, that's when you get the, the true friendships and the true partnerships of, Hey, we want to do this once a year and we want to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. So, and I feel like something like that takes five years to really know where all your true partners are, but we've been so lucky so far, you know, kind of branching out it, like I said, into the hat shirt kind of world and getting the brand out there. It's been great. So it's, it's you, Cole Swindell, Tyler Reeve, the three of you. And then do you switch out an artist? How, how do you go about potentially recruiting? It kind of depends on the club. Like if the club's happy with just like us three, then we just kind of do that. But then if they want another artist then it's the price increases and it's just different talks of if there's two artists on stage, then obviously that's going to be a more of an expense than one artist on stage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we usually just start with me, Cole and Tyler, and then we just kind of let the club decide what they want to do, what they can do. Um, and you know, with Cole, He's on a rocket ship right now, so yeah. everybody's knowing who Cole is with Heads Carolina, and if they didn't already know who he was. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Chilling it, man. That song was great when that thing came out. Yes, he's crushing it. Uh-huh. I'm so happy for him. Well, and and so and he's a good golfer too. So when you boys are out there, are you, I mean, at your handicap, are you giving it to him a little bit or what? Uh, we're. We all go back and forth. Tyler is a little bit more consistent than Cole and I, but I've beat I've beat both of them, and they've both beat both. Like Cole's beat both of us, and Tyler's beat both me and Cole. So we're all pretty even. You, now, when you're on the course, I know the whole everybody country music drinking, like you said, right? Uh, when on course, you boozing, um, transfusions. Oh, yeah. What's the, the drink of uh, choice out there? Oh man. My go-to lately has been a little tequila soda lime trying to lay off the beer, but Dang, tequila transfusions are good too, which I learned at Augusta. That's where this started. It's actually called a confusion. A transfusion is no alcohol. A confusion is with alcohol. What? Wow. That, that came from the bartender at Augusta National. And I'm going to do whatever they say because I feel yeah. like that increases my chances well, of getting there. Augusta is where it originated. The transfusion did. I didn't know that. I went to order a transfusion he said you mean it's confusion and then he said with his alcohol he said i feel it all the way up to canada because it has the united states logo mm-hmm. on it he said i always fill it up to canada so, was, so every time i'm making my drinks i have a few of those cups i'm like i'm gonna fill it up to canada <laughs> i know man i when i played troubadour with those boys i don't drink tequila i don't do it and i was in the wrong grouping huh and uh <laughs> I drank a lot of tequila that day, and I went moseying on. I got back to Pittsburgh. I moseyed on to the liquor store and bought myself some tequila. So now I'm on the tequila track. Casamigas? Casamigas, yeah. These guys, I mean, bud, we weren't even out of the clubhouse. We had a shot. And then we went to the range, had a shot. And then we teed off, we had a shot. And then we're, I mean, I'm like, boys, like today I'm yes man. But uh, that's funny, Cole, because honestly, uh, I talked to him on the, every night, and now I'm drinking. What are you doing, bud? Oh, I'm just sipping a little tequila. I'm like, dude, what what the hell is happening to you right now? Tributo really messed you up a little bit. Not that tequila's bad. I freaking love tequila too, but um my man's drinking on the reg. He's fasting now too, intermittent fasting, so he doesn't eat for like twelve hours. 
But oh boy, that's the thing though. The the, the the whole tequila thing. Can we talk about the tequila thing? Yeah, I feel like the misconception is that it 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 tastes awful, and that's that was my you know my thought on it is that it just tastes awful. It bangs you up quickly, but it was so smooth. Well, it's kind of like an upper. yeah. I mean, if you get bad tequila, it'll it's horrible. Yeah, Cuervo. But something like Cos- something like Casamigos or Clase Azul, that's another one of my favorites. It mm-hmm. tastes like candy. Do you ever have that on um, on Yeho? Clase Azul? Yeah, it's that it's that bottle that uh-huh. looks like something your grandma puts flowers in. Yeah, it's that, that thing ting it's a tinging yeah, one, huh? Yeah, bell. it has the bell on the top, boys. Um, yeah. With the bell on the top. But I was a bourbon guy and then bourbon started making my head hurt. So I was like, All right, I'm gonna get on tequila and kinda of <laughs> hadn't got off of that yet. <laughs> so tequila and red wine. Yeah. Yeah, tequila and red wine. That might be my because I got gout, man. I, getting old sucks. I got gout, so the beers make me gout. So tequila and red wine, I might be my drink of choice going forward. But honestly, I went to the liquor store. I was so excited. Landed, go to the liquor store. I'm going to buy a Casamigos bottle. Mm-hmm. Ask the lady for Casamigos. It's behind the counter. She said, "Which one do you want?" I said, "Well, what are they? There's four of them. Fuck." I don't know. The, <laughs> the smoother one. She said, well, then you went all the, all the way to the right one. I said, I'll take that. And she was right. Yeah, probably to Reposado, if I had to guess. I don't know, yeah, but right. man, that whole troubadour oh, moved, yeah, me, just moved me there. I mean, that, and again, it's one of those things like you, what you're talking about. Like, I'm a little bit of a, uh, a traditionalist to a point. I'm with you on the hat. Like, let me wear my hat inside, bud. Like, it's not a big deal. But I can't get over the golf short, the, the gym shorts, the t-shirt, playing golf. Like, that, to me, that I'm a little uncomfortable doing that. Yeah, that's, that's not my favorite. And, the, like, even at Old Hickory, sometimes we play barefoot, and I still feel wrong. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like the emergency 18. We're like, all right, barefoot emergency 18. Yeah, the John um, Daly. It's like a time yeah, and place but, for it, right? Like, Right. But the, the, uh, the t-shirt, I can't even – I don't even want to go over to Old Hickory and eat in a t-shirt. And I don't know what that is. I think it was just kind of growing up in golf and everything. That's exactly how I am. But uh, I'm a traditionalist at heart. But then there's some things where I'm like, ah, oh, come on now. Yeah, it's funny because you know the, the there is that movement. I mean, look at these these brands right now making hoodies and the right. different type of clothing, and and I think it's great. I mean, look, there's no doubt about. It. There's a time and place for everything. I'm a member at a club where. Yeah, it's kind of traditional. It's and I like that. I like that aspect, but I also like being able to go out to a course and not really worry about if I have a collar shirt on or if I have a, a hoodie representing, you know, a golf course logo. Like, um, right. I certainly like listening to music, and I don't know why I'm I'm saying this right now, Cole. I'm just talking right now to talk, but yeah. I get I get I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um, the, the whole changing the shoes in the parking lot, not my thing. I'm like, change your shoes in the parking lot if you want to change your shoes in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like some clubs, we pulled up to one club, and uh, we were in Charleston, South Carolina, and Tyler and I just landed from a flight. Our Uber's dropping us off. We're taking our flight bag out. Shoes are there, and we're like, oh, let's just change our shoes. And the guy comes up. He's like, sir, you can't change your shoes in this parking lot. <laughs> and this was like right after we had just played Augusta, and we went about, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Here, hold this Augusta shoe bag, bud. Yeah. Um. So you, right now, we're kind of winding down to summer, get back over to work. I mean, is it just, are, are things going to slow down for you as you enter the holiday season, Cole, or is it not really? Um, still a lot of travel. 
Um, I'm Tyler and I are playing a songwriter show in Richmond, Virginia this this weekend, and then we're playing member guests at Abaco Club uh, next oh, week. Oh shit! That's that's, that's going to be awesome. That's in um, Abaco Clubs down in it's in the Bahamas. Bahamas. That's where um, it's where Baker's Bay is. Bingo. Yeah, you just answered um, every question for me there. <laughs> and um, yeah, November kind of chills out, but the writing side, I keep writing till December. I'm very superstitious, so I've had a couple hits that I've written in December. When like the whole town usually shuts down in December, but I can't just because I'm superstitious, and I know that there's a possibility of a hit coming then. Mm-hmm. I just keep going until around December 18th and then January I'll duck hunt a little bit and get back at it. Now, I try to ride a lot when it's cold. That way I don't feel as bad when it warms up and I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Now you wrote some for Florida Georgia line. Um, uh-huh. Do you ever do anything with Tyler or the other cat on an individual basis? Or do you think you think they'll pull a Blink-182 off and reunite in 10, 15 years? Man, I don't know. Um, yeah, Tyler and I have written, and uh, BK, he recorded a song that I wrote with Corey Crowder. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. Sure. Um, obviously, they're both great artists independently. They were great artists together. So I think whatever those boys do, they're going to be yeah, successful, successful at it. And I think it's cool that they're kind of trying it out and seeing seeing what that side of their artistic yeah. thing does yeah you can't obviously keep... you hate to see obviously you hate to see a, one of your the best bands in country music break up but mm-hmm. it kind of happens i mean it happened with brooks and dunn they both wanted to see what they could do on their own and yeah you know yeah it's life man it's like a relationship but you'd be boxed in and a, you get out exactly fgo had a great run i mean they were the biggest thing in country music for a long time yeah they were it was it was it was good stuff and they helped me get my start. I mean, that was my first number one. So I owe a lot to those guys for believing in a song that some new kid in town wrote and kind of giving it a chance. You wrote Sippin' on Fire too, correct? Yeah, that was my first number one. That song is badass. It is so good. Oh, on man, I appreciate fire. that. I love it. Sounds love a little it. different, bud. Wow, but I, 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 listen, you know what? I, I tried to sing. I tried to write. I played in a band. I played guitar. I wrote six songs in my life, and that's where it stops. And, and his I, dad shut down his only concert. I, I can't write anymore, but I'm so, like, what you guys do, I just think it's it's so catchy, too. I mean, all these songs have this underlying, like, story. story. And it's just tied all in together. It, it's, uh, like, Hardy, that song Rock, a rock on his last album. That yeah, song so good. is amazing, the way that that song was written. So, no, man, I, I'm interested in you guys, and obviously... I'd like to see y'all succeed and keep doing what you do. We need it. We need it in the world now yeah. more than ever. Absolutely. I attribute back to your the, the catchiness of it and the story of it. I credit that to my generation of songwriters, you know, Hardy, me, Hunter Phelps, all of us kind of grew up when burnt CDs were becoming a thing. So you have the stories, the stories of the Garth Brooks and Alan Jackson songs, but then the next song could be an Usher song where you have the melody and the phrasing of that. And then the next thing could be a rock song where you have the chords to that song and your, your whole head's kind of just a burnt CD and you know how to do a little bit of all of it. 
Yeah. And I feel like that's where country music is now. It's just a little bit of all of it, but it's like I said, it's going to that organic sound that it's coming back. And I think that's why it's so popular now because everything else is so produced and in your face that you have your Zach Bryans and your big, your Morgans. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of your, it's very organic. Luke Combs, it's just organic sounds with cool stories and great melodies. Yeah. That people yeah. are dying for right now. Dying for. I mean, and that's the crazy thing. We won't get too much into it, but you know, you look at like Wallen two years ago, whenever they, the cancel culture, all that, and look at them now. I mean, I could not be any happier for an individual. Um, uh, but yeah, man. It's easy to kick a man when they're down, right? And, um, he has come out on top and he's doing things right. And I mean, it is so fun to watch and it's so fun to watch all you guys. Like I said, dude, it's, I think it's so badass. Everyone's so, so close in this industry for the most part. I'm sure there's people that you, some people don't like and blah, 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 blah. But for the most part, everyone's tight. Everyone wants people to succeed and you guys all love golf and that's yeah, why we're here. That's it, baby. Yep, there man. it is. Love it. We love it, man. Well, Listen, Cole, it's been it's been a pleasure hearing your story, kind of hearing your start. Obviously, you had some great success, so wish the best for you in that regard. And and obviously, can't wait to play some golf with you at some point in time, my man, uh, especially man. if we do it up here in Nemecolin. Yeah, um, y'all say when. Yeah, we, um, yeah I enjoyed this. Uh, let's, uh, let's trade some swag soon. Yeah. yeah. I'll send y'all a playing through hat and uh, – yeah, we'll get we'll get yeah. some swag switched over, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna switch this over to our last segment of the show here called the Tap In segment, brought to you by Betnardi Golf. For those out there, check out Betnardi at betnardi.com. <laughs> Peppy's gonna ask you some questions, and here you go. All right, cool. Lowest round and where? Um, seventy six at Old Hickory. I wish it was seventy six at Augusta, but eighty one at Augusta. That's damn good. <laughs> most memorable song performance memorable song performance oh that's easy we did um there was a thing the peach pickers used to do it's called georgia on my mind and um i got to play sipping on fire at the Ryman auditorium in a writer's round with some of my best friends travis benning john langston and uh jordan rager we did oh, this okay. thing before we'll drop that's sick so it was my first time at the Ryman and representing the state of georgia and everything about it well ryan's not going to be at the Ryman anytime soon after that sipping on fire you just gave. Um, favorite <laughs> concert venue? Favorite concert venue that I've played or just in general? In general. Um, you know, I've never been there, but it was always a dream of mine. I feel like Red Rocks would be my favorite. Mm, that's dope. Um, yeah, I mean, Red Rocks is kind of the go-to for everybody. Mm-hmm. All right, last question. What are you chasing? I'm gonna be chasing birdies in a little bit. Let's go. In in life, I am chasing. I I just want some number one songs as a songwriter. You know, number ones are just like once you get one, you want more. So mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like every day is kind of t- trying to find that idea. I'm always chasing ideas that'll turn into songs, and chasing songs that'll turn into number one. Yep, love it. Chasing hits, man. Chasing hits. I yep. love it. Love it. Cole, man, it's been awesome, dude. I appreciate uh, you joining us here on Chasing Birdies. Yeah, guys, I appreciate y'all so much. I love what y'all do. And, and we're going to keep it rolling, bud. We'll see you at Nemecon. Man, that uh, Cole Taylor, man, what a, what a nice down-to-earth cat he is, huh? Love it. I love it. There's something about the country boys. Uh, it is. Drinking beers, smoking cigars. Needless to say, there might be a cigar song coming out soon. And, and 
he probably said he liked the idea and he probably really didn't like the idea and thought I was dumb, but whatever. Won't be the first. No, nah, but be the last. dude, to have that many song have that many songs written. I mean, think about this people. Like I know we're not in that world, but like think of your job. Like, do you have excess anything with respect to your job? Probably not. And they just got six, seven hundred songs laying around. It's like, damn. It's like it's wild. So you got one, bud. You have one song that you wrote and your dad yeah, shot it three. down. Yeah, three. Three. I know. So that's fantastic. And you I can't wait to bring the boys. They're all coming. The playing three groups coming to Nemecolon uh next year. So stay tuned. We got some some special, special guests coming with them. Um, and we do want to thank Nemecolon for being a, a sponsor of the show. We love it up there. I'm actually here right now. Um, yeah, if you can I was going to say, it looks like you see are. See behind me a statue, beautiful woman. Um, but Nemecolon.com, it's, it's, you know, Thanksgiving's not too far away. The Christmas coming up, Elf Tuckin, Parker and Peyton love it. So we'll be doing that. And uh, brunch with Santa. Bash is one of Santa's little helpers at brunch, so if you guys want to come up and check Bash out, he gets dressed up like an elf. Um, so go to nemicolon.com, check the boys out, uh, tell them we sent you, and, and book your reservation. Yeah, man. I love it, man. I, I love it up there. Thanks thanks to them again. And, and thank you, Cole. I uh, look forward to meet you and playing some golf. Keep doing what you're doing, and let's keep it rolling. But uh, next guest we have on Chasing Birdies, we're going a little bit back out of the the normality of the show and we're we're going switching over to golf believe it or not with a pretty well-known caddy on the pga tour we won't say any names right now but uh you know it's a pretty interesting interview to hear perspectives on the caddy life on the pga tour i mean Ryder cup caddy Mm -hmm. president's cup caddy he's seen it all he's been down the stretch pressure pressure packed uh, moments in the majors uh some big big wins and and now he's caddying for for another big boy so um it's yeah. it's gonna be a, another dynamite interview that we're we're happy we're st- i know you're super stoked dude oh yeah. so i can't be, i mean yeah so that's gonna be a good one here guys so make sure you tune into that on our next drop of chasing birdies and you know yeah share it maybe maybe talk about it a little bit with you your people in our circle we all need a good caddy yeah. in life by the way you're mine, um, so on, on the you're on my bag and number guys keeping me even keeled making sure my cigars lit all that jazz. Clubbing you good, uh, baby. Please go over to chasingbirdies.com, guys. We we got some cool merch up there. The holidays are coming up. Get your significant other, your your husband, your boyfriend, or your buddies. Buy them some hats. We really appreciate it. The brand uh, is everything for us. Chasing Birdies. We're all chasing birdies in life, uh, not just mm-hmm. on the golf course. Uh, so chasingbirdies.com and then chasing underscore birdies on Instagram. Like, listen, love. That's all I can yep. say now. Yeah, guys, we really do appreciate uh, all the support. And thank you to Rachel London and Jacqueline DiPaterio for your social media help. Evo over at Simpler Media, thank you for all your production support. And anybody else out there for listening, whatnot, thank you too. Have a good weekend. We'll check y'all on the flip side.